Welcome to the Chongits Games Podcast. In this episode, you'll be hearing the audio from a recent vlog where I discussed my top 10 polyomino games. Now, I won't spoil the list here, but if you want, you can check the description of this podcast for the list, as well as timestamps in order to jump to each specific game segment. Well, I do want to mention that the only reason this podcast is being made is because of the direct support coming into the channel through its Patreon campaign. Now, you can learn more about that by going to patreon.com slash Games. And if you enjoy listening to these vlogs as a podcast instead of watching them, then I do hope you would consider supporting the campaign. The final thing I'd like to ask is that if you have any questions or comments about anything I say today, that you leave those as comments on the YouTube page for the vlog, and you can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. All right, let's start this off by discussing what I mean by polyomino, and then I will also briefly touch on my methodology for building this list. Now, uh, to my understanding, a polyomino is a series of one-by-one shapes that are stuck together. So a domino would be two one-by-ones stuck together, so it's twice as wide as it is uh, long. And then a tetramino, which you find in Tetris, is going to be four of these one-by-ones stuck together in a variety of different shapes. It could be a two-by-two, or a one-by-four, or maybe even a zigzag. Um, now, a polyomino a game is one that uses a wide variety of different shapes, so not necessarily two or four, and that's the definition that I'm going with today. Next up, let's talk about my methodology for building this list. Now, I decided to try and sort these games by how much I like their polyomino mechanics, so they are not necessarily in order of how much I like them as a game overall. That means, for example, I might enjoy game number 10 more than game number 1 as a whole, but I like the polyomino mechanics of game number 1 more than the rest of them. Now, I have tried to sort these as best as I can. It's certainly difficult to come up with a list like this, so it's highly likely that game number 7 maybe should be in the fourth spot, and game number five maybe should be in the eighth spot, but I'm going to go with this list that I built, and I hope it's going to be good enough. Uh, now, it's also worth mentioning that there might be notable uh, uh, games that don't show up on this list, uh, games that I really like that have polyomino mechanics, but I don't like the polyomino mechanics enough to make it onto this list. All right, with that in mind, let's now jump into the first game, or I guess the 10th game, <laughs> and that one is going to be Queens. Now, in this game, players are trying to get a bunch of different colored flowers in front of them, and they will score points if they are able to match those flowers up. Now, the way you do this is you are going to take polyomino pieces, and they are going to build the uh, frame board that you are then going to score on top of. So essentially, you can't put a flower down onto the table, you have to put it down onto a polyomino piece. Now, as you play through the game, you will take multiple of these polyomino pieces, and stick them next to each other, and you have to have already gathered flowers. Now, when you take that polyomino, you immediately dump flowers onto it, and you then score for the various color adjacencies. And what that means is, you are trying to get the polyomino pieces that work out best with your situation, but also work out with the flowers that you have already uh, received in order to score the most points that you can. So effectively, you are building out a board of uh, polyomino tiles to then play on top of, and I think that's really neat. Uh, now, as far as this mechanic in the game, I think it's kind of a secondary mechanic. Like, this game is more about gathering those flowers and the scoring of them, but without the polyomino uh, base building part of this game, I think it would be significantly less interesting overall. So even though this is not the primary mechanic in the game, I think the polyomino matching uh, nature of it really does shine through, and that's why it's on this list. Let's now move on to game number nine, which is Miyabi. 
In this game, players are going to take polyomino shapes from the middle of the table, and they are going to place them into their own scoring area. And these shapes will have different icons on them. Now, when you place this tile down into your area, you have to put it so that the icon matches up with a specific row in your area. So it's pretty restrictive when it comes to that. And every time you place that down and uh, score that icon, you will then remove a token from the column that that scoring was in. So you are no longer allowed to place another scoring tile into that overall column. So that means as you play through the game, you are restricting your rows and columns uh, more and more. And I think this is why the polyomino shapes are not super varied in this game. You have uh, small pieces, you have maybe a three piece that's a line or maybe a little bit of an angle, but nothing too crazier than that. And a neat aspect to this game is the fact that you can stack the tiles down on top of other tiles that you already have. In fact, you are motivated to do this because you will get more and more scoring multipliers the higher up you stack. So that means the polyomino tile are trying to work their way into a more and more restricted scoring situation while trying to also stack it on top of other pieces so that there are no gaps underneath. Otherwise, you can't stack them in order to get as many points as you can. Um, now, that is essentially the game overall. There are obviously some more details that I have glossed over, but from a polyomino perspective, I like how restrictive it gets. I like how you can stack these on top of each other and you can really plan ahead to try and get that stacking going. And I also think the way you score these different things in the different rows is just a, a fresh idea. I'm used to seeing uh, polyomino type games where you can kind of place anywhere as long as it's on top of or adjacent to something else. And this one really makes you think about the order in which you put your tiles down within a round because you have less and less legal opportunities to place these tiles down as each round goes on. So yeah, that is why this one is on the list. And now we can move on to game number eight, which is Realm of Sand. Now in this game, you have a series of polyomino shapes in a large ring in the middle of the table. Now, when it's your turn, you are going to play a shape that you have in front of you, but you don't put it down onto your board. Instead, you take that shape and then you take various colored tokens and you put that shape worth of tokens onto your board. So the polyomino shape itself is more of a template for the pattern in which you put little tokens down onto your board. And what you're trying to do in this game is make certain patterns with these colored tokens that match up with pattern cards in the middle of the table. Uh, now, whenever you match up with one of those cards, you can take the card and you then remove those tokens. So you now have holes in your scoring area and you can try to fill those in to match up with other patterns on cards as well. So what that means is in this game, you are trying to plan ahead because on your turn, you actually end your turn by taking a new token from the ring in the middle of the table and you only have a couple of options to choose from. And then that is an option for you to use on a future turn. So you have multiple different polyomino shapes to go with. And I think it's a really neat idea to essentially have a polyomino stamp. You're like stamping that down and then putting it back into the middle of the table. And then you can rip that piece apart when you do the scoring. In pretty much every polyomino game, if you happen to uh, remove a tile, you have to remove the whole thing. And this one lets you break that rule, which I think is pretty neat. Um, now, on top of that, this game also has uh, ways to essentially get some engine building going with uh, some other types of tiles that you can put down to fill in these different areas. And to a certain extent, in this game, you are not only using polyominoes to try and uh, put these things down, but the patterns that you are pulling back are kind of like polyominoes as well. So you're seeing it from two different angles, and I think uh, this game did a really good job of implementing that. Um, honestly, the biggest reason this is on the list is because you can rip these polyominoes apart after you put them down. I just think that's a really neat idea that I can't recall seeing in any other games.
Well, let's now move on to game number seven, and that one is number nine. Now, this is a really simple game with wonderful polyomino shapes. Now, the shapes in this game match up with numbers that go from zero all the way up to nine, and when you play this game, you simply uh, shuffle up a deck of cards and then reveal a card which has a number on it, maybe it's a four, and then everyone has to take their four piece and put it down into their area. Now, the rules for this game are you have to put it uh, on the uh, floor, onto the table, essentially, or you can stack it on top of other tiles as long as there are no holes underneath. And the idea of this game is you want to get high numbers high up on your stack because a number, uh, a tile is worth points equal to its value. So if it's a seven, then it's worth seven points times the number of stacks it is up. So if it's stacked on top of three other tiles, then it's going to be worth three times seven or 21 points, which is obviously a lot more than if it was just stacked on top of one other tile. So it would then just be worth seven points. Now, the reason this game is on the list is because I love the polyominoes. I think it's such a neat emergent idea to have the scoring value for the shape be the actual shape that it is. A nine looks like a nine, a three looks like a three, and the way you try to fit these in together is um, really uh, spatially satisfying and also difficult. These are uh, wacky shapes. They're uh, some of the most interesting looking polyomino shapes of any of the games I'm talking about today, and because of that, the, um, the art, really, of trying to stack these on top of each other is just, it's just so difficult. Um, you can definitely take risks in order to try and uh, pull off a big scoring, and it might fail for you, or it might work out well, and the fact that everybody is working from the same input randomness means you feel some ownership over your win. Um, this is a really simple game overall to teach. I've essentially taught the game to you already. In fact, I taught this one to a bar full of, like, 45 or 50 people at Essenspiel a couple of years ago. Uh, we had everyone play against each other at the same time. It was a lot of fun. And if I could teach this one to a loud bar of people, then you could teach it to pretty much anybody. And uh, once again, the reason this one is on the list is because um, I just love the polyominoes matching their scoring shape. And I think the stacking mechanic works really well in this game, even though it's super simple. I think that does not necessarily mean it does not have cool ideas to bring to the overall polyomino space. All right, it's time for game number six, and this one is Spring Meadow. Now, in this game, players are trying to essentially melt snow in front of themselves, and it's a bit of a race to try and do this as best as you can compared to everybody else. Now, this game brings in a couple of neat ideas that uh, showed up in some previous games from the same designer, which is Uwe Rosenberg. Um, now, one of those ideas is the way you gather these polyominoes is you have a square grid, and there is a token that works its way around the grid, and when it's your turn, you can only take a polyomino from the row or column that is uh, next to where that token is. Now, this showed up in a game called uh, Cottage Garden, which I'm not talking about today, uh, and it also shows up in Spring Meadow. Now, you will uh, take that piece from the grid, and they have a pretty wide variety of shapes, and then you are going to place it down in front of you. Now, the rules for placing this are really simple. You can just put it essentially anywhere, except you can't cover up these little marmot holes unless you make the hole on your tile match up with that hole. Now, this is the uh, other really cool aspect to this game and the fact that almost every tile in the game has a cutout hole in it. Now, you're trying to line these up with the marmot holes for reasons I won't get into, but you are also trying to line these uh, holes in the tiles up with other holes in your tiles because the more of these you put adjacent to each other, the more rock tokens you get that you can then use to fill in various gaps. Now, the goal of this game is you are trying to, again, uh, melt out the snow in front of you and you're trying to complete full rows because you are going to get points for those full rows and you're trying to have as many of those as you can once 
once the uh, scoring condition is met. Now, in this game, you're not necessarily trying to get victory points. You're just trying to win three contests, and you win if you have the most points in that moment. And um, overall, I think this is a really clean uh, polyomino-style game. It uh, takes ideas that come from Indian Summer. In that game, there were holes in the tiles, but the game was awful. And again, it has the market idea from Cottage Garden, and it puts these together in a way that I have found to be really enjoyable. Every time I've played this game, I've had fun, and specifically, I've enjoyed the polyomino mechanics as you are trying to pay attention to what your options will be available to you uh, for your next turn, and you're trying to uh, line up not only your polyominoes, but the holes in your polyominoes to let you get more bonuses to try and clear your rows out. I just think it's a really good distillation of ideas that have shown up in other uh, games by Uwe Rosenberg, and that's why this one's on the list. So let's move on to game number five, and this one is Patchwork, which is also designed by Uwe Rosenberg. Now, this one came out uh, before Cottage Garden and Indian Summer and uh, Spring Meadow that I just talked about, and this one was a pretty big deal when it first came out. Now, this is a two-player-only game where players are going to be taking uh, various polyomino pieces from the middle of the table to try and build out a quilt in front of them. Now, this game has some ideas that I've already talked about. In particular, you have a ring of tiles in the middle of the table, and you are going to take those and put those in front of you. So that's kind of similar to what we saw in Realm of Sand. Now, unlike in Realm of Sand, you can't uh, rip these apart later on in the game, but what this game does bring into play is some pretty interesting uh, resource mechanics because there are two resources in the game. You are going to spend buttons in order to pay for these tiles. The tile tells you how many buttons it needs, and you are also going to spend time. Now, this is a two-player-only game, and it's your turn if you've spent the least amount of time compared to your one opponent. So as you are trying to pick out what tiles to take to then fit into your area, you are also trying to plan out how much of these two resources do you want to spend in that given moment to try and uh, get some really big turns. For instance, if your opponent spends a bunch of time, you could set yourself up to take uh, two or maybe even three turns in a row, which can have huge impacts on how well you can fill out your board. Now, the main goal of this game is to just fill in your board, but it also has one more cool mechanic with some engine building, where at certain times in the game, you will... Um, uh, generate buttons for the buttons showing up on your area. So that means you also have to factor in what tile do you take because some expensive tiles have great button generation income. So if you get that earlier on in the game, it'll make you more buttons and every button is worth a point at the end of the game. So you are paying attention to all this and you lose points for each spot on your board that isn't filled in at the end of the game. And I think that um, in a lot of ways, patchwork made polyominoes explode onto the board gaming scene. So uh, this one was uh, probably the first polyomino style game that I really fell for overall. At one point, this was my favorite one because I think this was probably the first one that uh, really stuck out as like a polyomino style game. And I think it does still hold up to this day. At this point, we can move on to game number four, and that one is Baron Park. Now, in this game, thematically, you are building out a bear theme park, but realistically, what you are trying to do in this game is you are trying to race to fill in your areas as much as you can, and this game has some pretty interesting ideas with the polyominoes that you put down. Now, uh, out on the middle of the board, at the start of the game, you are going to sort a wide variety of these tiles into a few different spots, and then when you are playing the game, you are going to, on your turn, play a tile that you already have in front of you, and 
and every icon that you cover up will tell you which one of the markets in the middle of the table you can take a new polyomino from. Now, that is going to be a tile that you can then play on a future turn, and this game really incentivizes planning ahead. That means you can say, well, I'm going to put this right here to cover up that icon to take this tile, so next turn I can play that tile onto this spot so that on the future turn I can take that tile over there. Now, there are your uh, opponents around the table who are trying to get in your way, and many of the tiles have diminishing returns. So the sooner you take them from the middle of the table, the more points they will be worth, and this is a victory point game. You want to have the most points at the end of the game once um, the game is over. Uh, now, on top of that, there is a really cool idea in this game where your overall play space is also going to grow. At the start, it is just a square, but whenever you cover up a particular icon on your board, you can then take a new board and stick it adjacent to your previous board. So you have a lot of control over uh, how you're going to be growing things out, and you can really keep that in mind as you're planning out the placement of all of these different polyominoes. Now, one other really fun idea in this game is the fact that every single one of these boards has a spot that you are just not allowed to cover up, and that's because it is reserved for a bear statue. Now, you can put that bear statue down as soon as you fill in every other space on that board except, obviously, for the cordoned off spot, and when that happens, you take the highest victory point bear statue and put it right down there in the middle. So it has a uh, kind of completion prize feeling when you finish that off. It feels good to do that, and you're also going to get points. And this game really brings into the uh, uh, the polyomino space the idea of racing to do everything first. And obviously, you can't do everything first, so you try to do as many things first as you can. Uh, now, you are going to do that by grabbing the higher value tiles before your opponents and by finishing out your boards before your opponents to get the higher value statues. And then you can also play with a wide variety of different achievements, which will uh, induce you to try and run after other specific uh, categories of play, uh, depending on which ones pop out. So I really like the uh, flow of this game. I, I like the fact that by placing a tile, you cover up icons to give you more tile placement options, and you can think so many turns ahead, unlike a game like Patchwork, where you can kind of see what's coming ahead, but you don't have uh, full control over what you might be able to grab. And same with Spring Meadow, with that person walking around, um, you can maybe know which row or column you'll be in, but maybe that tile you want is going to go away. But in this game, odds are good, the tile that you need will still be there, it just might not be worth as many points. Now, there are some really big polyomino pieces you can put out, and there is just one of each of those, so um, you either get that or you don't. So there is certainly an aspect of that in this game overall, but I just really like the planning aspect of putting all these things together, and it's a vibrant overall game that I have enjoyed every time I played. And in particular, I've always found the polyomino mechanics in this game to be uh, refreshing each time it's been played. All right, let's now move on to game number three, and this one is Cartographers. Now, in this game, there are no tiles at all. Instead, this is a roll-and-write style game where you start with a blank sheet of paper in front of you, and you then draw your polyominoes down onto your piece of paper with a pencil. Now, the way this works is you will flip over a card in the middle of the table for each turn, and then simultaneously, everyone will draw the applicable uh, shape down onto their board, and there might even be multiple shapes to choose from. Now, what you're trying to do is uh, build out this terrain, which could be forests and water and cities, in order to get you the most points. And the way this works is at the end of each season in the game, you will score for different scoring condition cards. Now, as part of setup, you are going to randomly pull these cards out, and they will score at different times in the game. So that means you might score for having a wide variety of forests spread out across your map on the first and last round of the game, whereas in the middle couple rounds of the game, you might be really trying to get water next to a certain size of city or something like that. 
So what this means is every time you play cartographers, there is a different polyomino puzzle that you're trying to build out in front of you. Uh, you're trying to match up those scoring conditions, and you are of course trying to think long term, because there are some scoring conditions that won't show up for a few turns and you want to be ready for them, but you also want to think short term for the scoring condition that's coming up very soon, and maybe just a card flip or two. Now. I really like this game, and I really like the uh, polyomino aspects to this game for a couple of reasons. The first is this kind of has a polyomino stamp vibe, kind of like Realm of Sand that I talked about earlier, so that feels a little bit different as you are taking the shape and imprinting it onto your area instead of actually moving a tile around. And another thing I just love about this game is that at the end of each game, you have a map in front of you of like some fantasy type of land. Now the polyominoes built this map out in front of you, so I guess the map itself is not necessarily a polyomino, but the way you get there incrementally trying to chase after those specific scoring conditions as you try to fit all of these things in together um, is just awesome to then see at the end of the game a kind of work of art to a certain extent. Uh, you were going to have just a totally different setup than even to the person uh, to the right or left of you, uh, even though you had the same input uh, variants because there's just so many ways to go with this game. And then from one game to the next, you will see wide uh, differences. You might have just a ton of water in one game and almost none in the other based off of how those scoring conditions go. And I just love that um, aspect to it of just seeing the art uh, once the game is over and knowing that you piece that together with all of these different polyominoes. I just think it's super cool. Um, on top of that, in this game, as I said, you very often have choices of different shapes to put down. Uh, in general, with those choices, one is larger than the other, but the smaller one lets you get coins, which can turn into just straight victory points. So you have a really interesting decision to decide which polyomino is better for your situation, and can you get away with going with a smaller one to maybe squeeze out some more points later on, because maybe you just don't need that bigger piece for the current scoring condition. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, Cartographers brings a lot of really cool ideas to the polyomino space, especially considering there is an artistic vibe where you are literally drawing this stuff down, and I'm not a particularly good artist, but uh, even I was able to make a pretty good looking map, I think. So uh, yeah, that is why this one is so high up on the list. At this point, we've reached game number two, and this one is A Feast for Odin. Now, this is one of my favorite games, period, but I think this game does some really cool stuff with polyominoes. Now, this game was designed by Uwe Rosenberg, who also designed uh, Patchwork as well as Spring Meadow, so this is the third game designed by him on this list, which isn't too surprising considering he has designed a lot of polyomino-style games over the last seven or eight years or so. Now, in A Feast for Odin, there's a lot going on, but from a polyomino perspective, each player has a uh, Viking area in front of them, and you are going to be filling this in with all of the various stuff that you pick up as a Viking. Now, this game comes with a huge variety of different polyomino pieces. Um, they come in very small shapes all the way to much larger shapes. And as you build out your area, you have to essentially fill in from the bottom left out. So you can't have gaps as you kind of expand this out. And there are some pretty cool things going on here. The first thing to note is there are bonuses within this overall grid. And if you are able to not cover up that bonus, but then fill in every single spot, all eight of the spots, around it, then as part of income in the rounds of the game, you will generate that resource. And uh, oftentimes that is more polyomino pieces to then fill in more spots. Now, at the end of the game, you lose victory points for all of the spots in your starting area that are not covered up. So you are very much incentivized to fill all these things in. So getting a polyomino engine going is definitely something you should consider. Now, a really cool aspect of this game is the fact that the polyomino pieces themselves are double-sided and they effectively have a hierarchy of 
um, of worth. Now, uh, you can upgrade these pieces through a wide variety of ways in the game by flipping them over or maybe just trading them out for the same shape but a different color. And the color of the piece will dictate its placement rules down in front of you. If it is the lower uh, quality materials, then you cannot be orthogonally adjacent to each other. They can be diagonally but not orthogonally. If it is the higher quality stuff, you can put them right next to each other, which makes it a lot easier to fill out your area. But of course, it takes a lot more effort to get those high quality materials put down in front of you. Now, there are also materials that are just uh, loot that you can plunder from various locations, like a crown or an axe or that kind of thing. And <laughs> by the time you get to the end of the game, you have this wonderful mishmash of such a wide variety of different colored polyominoes shoved into this area, and I just love that. I, I have found the puzzle of trying to get the right pieces and then upgrade them to the right color to fit into the right spots is super cool. I like how flexible it is because on top of that, you can shove coins, which is just worth points, uh, into various spots to fill in holes, and you can also uh, put ore in there as well. So there's just such a smattering of junk that you're filling in your area and and I find that so satisfying. On top of that, the uh, the area that you are building out is actually going to increase your coin income. And again, coins are worth points. And again, you can use coins to fill in your gaps. So I like that it is kind of forgiving in that way. You just have to give up points. On top of all of that, in this game, you have the opportunity to go out and conquer new islands that you can put in front of you, as well as build various buildings that give you more spots to put your stuff into. So you you have even more puzzles that you can get throughout the game, and it has a really interesting tension because you're probably going to want to essentially fill out your main Viking area. But if you're playing the game well, you're going to have a bunch of extra stuff at the end of the game if you don't get other spots to then shove this stuff into. And those other spots have different placement rules. You can even put stuff into those that you aren't allowed to place at all into your main area. So there's just some really cool stuff going on. And on top of this, it's just a, a brilliant heavyweight game with a massive amount of work replacement, uh, action selection, and whatnot. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff going on in here. But in particular, the uh, polyomino aspect to it is just brilliant overall. This means we finally reached game number one on this list, and that one is Isle of Cats. Now, if I'm being honest, I went back and forth as to whether or not this was number one or number two with A Feast for Odin. I decided this is the way it went, but man, it could really go just barely the other way. Uh, now, before I say anything more, I, I should mention that I am pretty good friends with the designer and publisher of this game. I got to play an early prototype of it, uh, and uh, yeah, I think Frank West is an amazing person, so I'm definitely biased. But I also think that Isle of Cats is a brilliant polyomino-style game. Now, in this game, you are thematically going to an island full of cats, and you are rescuing them, and you are going to put them down onto your ship. Now, these cats are wonderfully illustrated, and they have a really wide variety of different polyomino shapes that kind of match with the various ridiculous um, things that cats can do with their bodies. <laughs> now, when you put these down onto your ship, you are trying to fit all of them together in a way that you do for most polyomino games. But the reason this game is so far up the list, and realistically the reason I decided to put this up at the top of the list, is because the way in which you score for those polyominoes is so varied and also so customizable. Now, on top of the polyominoes in this game, there is a card drafting aspect to the game where you are going to be um, gaining cards and then playing those cards in front of you. And a big aspect to this game is playing out cards that will give you scoring conditions based off of how you've placed your polyomino cats on your boat. So what that means is every time you play, 
the way you put these tiles out is going to be so incredibly different. Um, this is, again, the reason why it just barely edged out a Feast for Odin, because in that game, you're always building out from the bottom and up, whereas in um, Isle of Cats, you might play a game where you just focus on the perimeter going all the way around and you have a bunch of holes in the middle of your ship. You might play another game where you just go right down the middle and you ignore the sides. Um, there is just such a wide variety of things. You might be going for solid columns or solid rows. There are rats on your ship that you want to cover up so that you don't lose points at the end of the game, unless, of course, you have scoring cards that actually give you points for not covering up your rats, which again will vary things. Now, there is a backbone of scoring in this game where there are different rooms and you will lose points for every room that is not fully filled in with cats, and that happens every single time you play the game. And on top of that, you will also always score points for having collections of like-colored cats that are touching each other. So every time you play, you are going to be trying to fill in rooms and trying to put like-colored cats next to other cats, but that is, uh, th that's just the bare bones of this game. There's so much more to come into play with the uh, varied scoring, and I just think that works really well. I love the way the uh, boat looks at the end of each game, and I, I really like that a winning boat will look so different from one game to the next based off of the decisions that that player made throughout the game. Uh, so yeah, I think that there is some great stuff in here, and I think the drafting is fine as well, but realistically, the way you uh, build out your own scoring thing for the way you try to uh, fit all these various crazy shaped cats, as well as treasure, you can put treasure onto your ship as well, uh, is just so incredibly satisfying, and it just barely squeaks into the number one spot for my top 10 polyomino style games. Uh, so yeah, that is going to wrap up this list. Um, as I mentioned before, there are probably some games that are missing from this list that uh, are of note. I'll say one off the top of my head is The Magnificent. Um, it's a great game that I really like, but the the polyomino placement mechanic in that game is not actually that interesting compared to the dice drafting systems in that game. The polyomino part is fine. It's just not interesting enough to like bump any of these other games I've talked about on the list. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure there are more. And uh, if there's one that I missed on the list that you feel like should be there, then throw it down in the comments and I'll tell you why it's not on the list. Odds are good it's because I haven't played it, but we'll see how that goes. And yeah, I think that is going to wrap up this podcast. Thanks for listening.